Hello, friends. This is Michael from Hannigan Media, and I am in the courtroom of Henderson County Judge Wade McKinney. How you doing today, Judge? Doing great, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so we're going to get right into this because we have a lot to cover today, folks. We're going to talk about what's going on at the Animal Shelter in Athens. We've got some great news. Uh, it sounds like coming for local volunteer fire departments and... Of course, we have to do our COVID-19 update where we are going to specifically be talking about vaccines. So you want to make sure you listen to this particular show. Lots of good information. Um, But let's kick it off with something that um, in the past has really been a big, big story, which is the animal shelter and the the, um, way that the county... Um, runs the animal shelter. Um, you had a, an update this week in commissioner's court about the local shelter. Judge, tell us how that's going. Well, when you look at the time frame on this, folks uh, remember that there's a lot been going on even during COVID. And if you go back to the first of the year, we had the transition from the county-run facility to the um, Friends of the Animals, which has um, sp- not splintered, but has created two groups, one that operates the, sh- the tool shelter and operates the Athens shelter. Well, in April, they took over our, what we're calling the Athens shelter. And during all of this time of restrictions and lockdowns and just anything that can get in the way of normal operations, we um, have had our facility here in Athens basically flourishing uh, during this time due to the efforts of the volunteers and the organizations that have taken it over. Um, We have animals being adopted at um, never-seen-before rates, and we are so pleased of the report we got from um, Lynette Ainsworth and Jennifer Miller, um, who is the shelter manager here at Athens, uh, Athens Rescue, I believe is what Athens Rescue Shelter. Athens Animal Rescue. Athens Animal Rescue is uh, that this program is exceeding all of our original thoughts because when we began this we the the issue was is that of trying to get more animals um, relocated instead of um, the alternative and it has been a, an outstanding success the organization and all the volunteers have stepped in you know they have raised over fifty thousand dollars to meet the needs for that facility that otherwise would have not been met or would have come from taxpayer dollars. I mean, it's fantastic. So this is um, this is really a, a success story on a lot of levels, and one of them is in the use of teamwork, if there, for exactly. want of a better way to explain it. Uh, before this year, before all this took place, um, what we had was we had two different shelters, one in Tool, one in Athens, that were independent of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in Athens is really unique because the city owns the property, the property. but the county is charged with running it. And it's, you know, look, Henderson County has a lot of the government, Henderson County government has a lot of different things that it does. And actually being in the shelter every day was not something that you guys either were really able to do or wanted to do, I don't think. 
Really, and that's exactly right. Um, when you go far enough back, it was a little over two years ago, the shelter had been operated independently for yeah. 20-something years. Fantastic group of individuals that came in here for love of of animals and tried to do some things, and they worked tirelessly for you know two and a half decades on this. And as we know, in this day and age, it's hard to, to replenish these individuals that are volunteering their time and have a passion for it and it had just gotten to the point that they couldn't that they felt that um, they were not in a position to operate the facility any longer and of course um, with the tool facility being there we felt that the capacity in Henderson County versus the volume or, or population of animals, that was not going to be enough to sustain. So we were faced with a decision of we revert to a small facility when we've had two. So the county stepped in and took over the operations. And anytime uh, the government is running an operation that is not specifically designed government, there are difficulties, there are there are government guidelines that do not allow you to work as efficiently and individuals who, you know, individuals that pay taxes, who wants to also give donations to a government to run something. So, so, so let's, let's go. when the government takes over something like that, a lot of times red tape gets in the exactly, way exactly. that isn't there if a private organization exactly. is running the thing. Now, one of the other things that was established um, around the same time, if I'm not mistaken, is the advisory committee. Mm -hmm. The state says that if a county has more than 75,000 people in it, they have to have an advisory committee to run the local uh, shelters. That's now in place. Yes. Um, I believe it's headed by Commissioner Tooley. It is. He is the county's representative. And we also have uh, representatives from the city, representatives from the folks who used to run yes. the animal shelter. So we have that the experience, humane exactly. the Humane Society. We still have that experience on the board. And so now what you have is you have a board working with two organizations that are actually connected instead of separate. Right. Everybody's kind of working together, um, and the result has have been – the results have been off off the chart. They have, and the partnership between the county and the city of Athens in this particular instance has paid off in allowing, there's some services that the city of Athens will provide to the shelter since they actually own the property, and the county still assists with some items, some, some maintenance items along that way. It truly is a team effort when the, the two government entities and the nonprofit organizations working together to really be successful in getting some good outcomes. Yeah, so um, this is something that um, will probably just fall off and nobody will notice and anything else because uh, it's working too well. So, well, if they would like to see the full, <laughs> yeah. the, the full report, hey, on our YouTube channel, Henderson County Admin, you can go watch the 15-minute long discussion of giving the report if you'd like to. Well, I have been to the uh, Athens Animal Rescue Shelter um, and been around those folks um, multiple times over the last few months uh, just because of my job right. and the things right. that I do. And um, 
they are doing an amazing, amazing job. Um, it is just absolutely incredible. Last time I saw them, they were walking dogs in the uh, Christmas parade. Right. Um, they're always somewhere, um, and it's neat because they have the um, capacity to do their mobile dog adoption mm-hmm. events, and they're using that for both Athens and Tool. Yes, sharing and of resources. Sharing the resources and, and, and working... Uh, together. And the other thing is, um, and I don't think that this is really common, but they've got some great connections they do. where they are placing animals outside of the state. As far as way as Michigan, Wisconsin, and they're in, not only that, they're tied in, I believe, with the ASP. Um, I hate that acronym. ASPCA? AAS, yes. <laughs> and um, that has been a great asset. And it has been involved in the tool facility for a couple of years. And in our update, the Athens Animal Shelter, within the, with a very short period of time in the next few weeks, will actually be accepted into it as well, which will allow for further adoptions That's... taking place. Also even tied in with Petco. So um, they have just been outstanding. That that's a, that is really great news. Um, it it seems odd for folks who may live in Henderson County, because the one thing we don't have a lack of uh, is animals, <laughs> dogs, right. and cats. And so the idea that there are places in the country that are actually low on yes. animals don't have enough dogs and cats for the. Um, for the need for the for the for the market right um, and for these animals to be able to be shipped somewhere where they're going to be loved is an amazing thing yeah. all right great job uh, uh, Athens animal rescue shelter and um, yeah one of the one of the positive good <laughs> government stories in that, 2020 that happened um, but yeah, so there you go. All right, let's move on to another uh, another one um, that you're in the process of um, in on uh, commissioner's court this week. You guys were looking at a grant, yes, for volunteer fire departments. Tell us about that grant. Well, with the changeover from the legacy VHF radio system that's been in place for since the 70s, um, moving to the new P25 digital system, we're having to to rework all our communications with all of our municipalities, fire, police, anyone that's going to be a part of that. And, of course, funding is always an issue when you upgrade. Okay, so before we get into the funding, because we need to uh, – for those of you, sometimes you know uh, we have a. Sometimes we use uh, what we call jargon, yes. and, and we dropped quite a bit of jargon just then. Um, what we're talking about is the new communication system that's going up, going to be completely digital. We've been talking about it for weeks. All the new towers that the the mm-hmm. counties are counties going to be putting into service. Uh, I've been talking about it with you and with the sheriff. Lots of great things. Um, that's what we're talking about. We're talking right. about that communication system that's going to be turned on soon. And the volunteer fire departments, they don't have the equipment to use it. 
Exactly. And with any of your, just like with the animal shelter, these are volunteer organizations and they base their operations and funding on the goodwill of the community plus what they get um, from some of the governmental organizations. But when you're looking at an upgrading a uh, communication system to the new digital, a radio is not one you can just go pick up at Radio Shack. And a Radio Shack doesn't exist anymore, but <laughs> dating myself. But um, it's not one that you can get for three, $400. Um, these uh, mobile radios that go in the apparatuses can run from, you know, 1800 to $4,000 a piece. And in this upgrade, we recognize the limitations we have met with the volunteer fire departments getting prioritization. And this grant process was actually found by one of our local fire departments and brought to us as, hey, can we work something to help equip everyone? And this is through FEMA, and it has a um, funding limit of a million dollars. And in this proposal, we believe we're going to land somewhere around $900,000 to outfit the apparatuses with maybe some money left over to assist them with getting the portables, the handhelds. Yeah. So what we're talking about is using this money to put the radios that will work with the new system in the fire trucks yes. in their actual uh, the apparatus that they use which they don't have right now right um don't don't misunderstand us our current system the vhf system will continue to operate for two years at this point while we do with the changeover for everyone. We right. wouldn't so, leave somebody without right. communications gotcha. to begin gotcha. with. Gotcha. So what the sheriff, what, what the uh, county judge is trying to say is, folks, don't panic. Right. If we don't have the new radios in those fire trucks right away, the old system will still be running. Yes. We're not. We're not turning off uh, radio service for all the fire trucks right away. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. However. It's important to note the reason we're having a new communication system is because the old communication system is, like we said, old, <laughs> old. <laughs> and, and it isn't working as well as it should. Right. And so this is a great opportunity for these organizations, these VFDs, to get these radios. I know another thing that the county has done recently is help them with some uh, – uh, Beepers? Yeah, pagers. Pagers. Yeah, yeah. Dating yourself. Beepers. Yeah, well, there you go. That's okay. Hey, you were breaking news. I didn't know Radio Shack had going out of business. I didn't know. I think they have. Um, yeah, actually, when this began and we started the process um, of evaluating and prioritizing the needs of the fire departments, um, they had three prior three priorities. Number one was for instant communication so that you will be able to respond at least to the station and then be further updated and moved. And that is where the county stepped in and we procured um, over 200 pagers that communicate on the networks, on the new network coming up so that you can have instant communication and have individuals respond. Their second priority on the list was the, well, as we said here, apparatus equipment, which so that the radios are in the trucks. And their third was the portable so that individuals on scene moving around. And that's what we have worked at um, tirelessly to come up with as a way to fund this. Because the the uh, beepers, I'm going back to beepers, the pagers are digital 
Um, they're not the traditional that you come from, but they will. The coverage of this new system is so much better yeah. than what we've had before. It is almost guaranteed to work every time, no matter where you're at. And getting that response time and and these volunteers that don't get paid to provide this service that all of us depend upon. If we can help out with this communications, not only does it help them to serve better, it also um, brings into life safety issues. I mean, this single project is, I often compare it to the expansion of the jail. The expansion of the jail 15 years ago was a higher dollar figure, but it was not as impactful of touching everyone as this single project has sure. been. And, and it's uh, five million, roughly $5 million before said and done. Yeah, and, and you talk about, you touch upon uh, the importance of our volunteer fire departments. We only have a small handful of paid fire departments yes. in Henderson County. I know Athens, I know Gun Barrel, I think Maybank. Uh, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar on Maybank. Other, the two big ones right. are Gun Barrel and Athens. Maybank is unique because it yeah, sits in that tri-county. Right, right. Tri -county it's in multiple region. counties right. and all. But the, the majority of fire coverage in Henderson County is provided by volunteer fire departments. That's correct. And when you 950 plus miles, square miles, and we're, we rely upon that because rural fire protection is a responsibility of county government. Inside the municipality, it's a municipality responsibility, but when you, even though we have 18 municipalities in Henderson County, we still have a huge area that is rural in nature and has to be provided. And these individuals give up their time not only to respond, but to train. There's requirements on them for training and just the upkeep and operation of the equipment. So um, well, us being able to do this, we were very happy to be able to join in and do the assisting on the grant. Uh, to make it available to them for this service. All right. Well, we're going to keep tracking that because that's a that's a great program, and it's going to make, as you said, this is one of those things that's going to impact everybody. Yes. Um, the communication system is going to end up impacting everybody because you're going to eventually have everybody on the system. I know you, uh, w with some of the other folks who were uh, with you and the sheriff, um, were. Uh, at the Athens City Council meeting last month yes, to speak to them about um, the communication system because Athens is now looking at, okay, what radios do we have to get to be able to get right. into the system? And so that's something that's taken place all around the county yeah, for you. It touches everybody. Right. Yeah, the municipalities... You know, they has, we have some very small municipalities with police departments. And as I said, when you're talking about a you know, two to $4,000 radio, sure. that's, a, that's a capital expenditure. For yeah, some. especially when you're talking about municipalities that don't have 2,000 people. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to finish up with our weekly COVID-19 update. Uh, and specifically, I want to go in a little different direction because, um, you know, a lot of times we do this and we talk about the same things over and over again. Uh, one thing we do want to point out is hospitalizations. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a bit of a spike yesterday. As we're sitting here Wednesday morning, we had a bit of a spike yesterday. However, uh, we had been on a downward trend for several days. Mm -hmm. We were we were in the 15% for several days last week. We thought we were going to get to 7 and have that <laughs> right. kick in. 
but we didn't get there, uh, thankfully. Yes, a and, big sign. And now we've had several days. We had several days uh, at fourteen percent until mm. yesterday, uh, right. and that just snuck in. It did. Fifteen point oh two. However, one of the things I want to ask you about, and this is really important because I had somebody point this out to me and ask a question, and it's that they saw that the hospitalization number had gone up, but the percentage had gone down one day. Right. And they were curious as to how that could happen. So explain to us how you could have more hospitalization, more people in the hospital, but a lower percentage of hospitalizations at the same time. Remember, the matrix, that magic 15 is a percentage of staffed beds. Yeah, that word staffed is the important one, right? Exactly. That is the denominator in this, to go back through our um, elementary um, arithmetic. Um, It is. It is based upon the COVID hospitalizations, the percentage, how many you have, what percentage that is of your total staffed beds. So if your staffed beds increase at a faster rate or a higher percentage than your actual COVID hospitalizations, then your actual percentage hospitalization of COVID is going to go down. So here's here's the key. <laughs> the number of beds changes. Yes, it does. That's the part that kind of surprises people. Surprised me the first time I learned about this. The number of staffed beds can change, which is what's changing the percentage. And the way that happens is a hospital can bring in more medical personnel. Mm -hmm. um, And that's happening all around the state where they're putting out a call, hey, we need help. There are mobile nurses and stuff coming into certain areas to help. So they bring in more nurses uh, more what more medical personnel. Right. That means we now have more staffed beds available, right. which means that the percentage can go down even if hospitalization, the number of people in the hospital stay the same because we have more medical personnel on hand. Right. And in our TSAG, which is, uh, we can go through that whole description again, but it's our region. Um, we can have a bed swing up to 400 beds from high to, to low, what we've been tracking. So one of the things you pointed out to me is we're sitting here on Wednesday. From Monday to Tuesday, we had a swing of 113 beds. There were 113 bed more beds available on Tuesday that had nothing to do with the number of people hospitalized. Correct. It had to do with the amount of medical personnel who were available. Exactly. It, it is staying within that, what that capacity is. And some, because the news has focused so much upon those that are gravely ill, that require that intensive care, 
not every COVID hospitalization requires that intense care. So, yes, when you break down, there are smaller numbers because in the the local news or, say, the um, metropolitan news, you hear about the limited number of those intensive care beds. The ICU beds. The ICU beds. But there are indeed many that are not in an ICU critical care situation doesn't mean they can't get there. So it's about that capacity overall. Right. Well, we're going back to flatten the trend. Exactly. You know, don't overwhelm, overwhelm the hospital system. All right. With that said, yes. and as we talk about that, and as we talk about available beds and medical personnel, I think it's a great time to um, transition to what I really want to talk about today, which is vaccines yes um you were on a uh conference call this week with um the governor um and you guys uh the discussion was vaccines and the rollout of the vaccine and and we have a big list of where the first vaccines are going to go so let's start with this tell me how many vaccines are going to be available and basically, and when are they going to hit? Well, basically, during that call that we had um, with Dr. Hillerstadt, uh, Commissioner of DSHS, and Dr. Zerwa with the UT system, both who are frontline individuals. Right, we go back advisors. to this is the, this is the um, head of the state health yes. department and the number one COVID advisor to the governor. Right. And this this is a continuation of that discussion that we had with them on laying out what was coming in the future. And that was, as you've seen on the news, the vaccine allocation. Um, the the first amount that's come, that is due to be in and available, I believe they said somewhere around the 14th, is um, about 250,000, which have been earmarked and designated for those frontline workers workers okay so about a quarter of a million doses mm -hmm. are the first allocation we're expecting to see those next week yes and they have been designated for frontline workers yes in the hospital and um there's actually a link okay so for those of you who know if you go through uh, the henderson county website the judge maintains a spreadsheet on there that's uh, open to the public where you can follow a lot of this information. And he's added the COVID-19 vaccine allocations. Uh, and you can click on week one and you can see where all of them are going. Um, but while the first thing I noticed when I looked at it, and, and you've set me straight on this, is I did not see Henderson County. And that that worried me a little. Yes, it did me too. It made me go, whoa, wait a minute. But as you look through this, and they use a different allocation um, here because of the demands in the system itself. Um, when you're looking, we have two counties that are marked on this initial being Gregg County and Smith County. And that is the part that made us take pause. But when you begin to look at it, these are a part of larger systems. We here in Henderson County are on the UT Health System and with some Christus in the county, but also Smith County has both of those and Gregg County as well. And if you look, you'll find Gregg County and Smith County. And there's roughly about 1,900 doses between the two locations 
physicians in Gregg County, which is a good ship, Christus Good Shepherd and Longview Medical. And in Smith County, um, Christus gets another almost 1,000, but the UT Health System gets 3,900. And remember, the, health t- the UT Health System handles our gum barrel facility, our Athens facility. Um, I believe there's one in Chandler. Not only that, there's Jacksonville. It's a much larger system, so that frontline vaccination process, though it says in this specific county, that's where they're headquartered at, not where they're going to be kept. Right, right. So the important thing there is that this allocation is going to the UT health system, um, which means it's going to end up at the Athens Hospital. The people who are in the Athens Hospital who are frontline workers are going to have access to these, this vaccine yes. looks like next week. Hopefully so. You know, there's still some approvals that are take, having to take place, but over the last several weeks, the state of Texas has made provisions for the logistics of this. Cause as you know, some of this vaccine, and I can't remember if it's Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine that has to be kept at super cold temperatures. Right. Yeah. So it's not just the, Hey, here, you know, it's shipped in, you, got it in in a box some of this has to be taken care of um, or we lose the effectiveness of the vaccine yeah well we certainly don't want to do that do not all right well however we look at it good news it is because it's another step forward it's moving in the right direction right which is um, vitally important Uh, that does not mean that it is time to let down our guard. Right. And you see more and more the con- the immediate concern today is is will the normal gatherings that we have during Thanksgiving would they will they have an effect on the overall spread of the um, virus and impacting these hospitals. So it's yes, great. This is encouraging on our vaccines even though Straight from Dr. Hellerstadt was is that we won't have enough vaccines to um, bring quote unquote a herd immunity through through the taking of it until probably the third quarter right. of, of 2021. So these are all good lights at the end of the tunnel, but we still have to continue those things that are important. Yeah, they're lights at the end of the tunnel, but we still have the tunnel to go through. Exactly. And we're still nervous when that light's not a train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, again, yesterday we we hit a record high for hospitalizations, which is always the number we look at. Um, you'll notice that neither the judge nor I uh, told you how many cases were still active or anything like that because we don't know. Look, we don't know and anybody who tells you that they know how many cases are active right now has a misunderstanding of how the counting is going on that's right and they are so large there's so many numbers and our staffing statewide for disease surveillance is so small these things are done in data dumps. Oh, look at <laughs> Yeah, I, d- I didn't show you. I, this I see that now, yeah. We actually were able to receive information that said we had 436 recoveries in Henderson County alone yesterday. 
Now that's the official release. That does not mean that these individuals on <laughs> this day. <laughs> so wait a minute. So wait a minute. This is a true data dump. Oh, let me look at this. I'm looking at this. Um, on the 23rd, there were zero. Uh, November 23rd, zero. 24th, zero. 25th, zero. 26th through the 30th, zero. December 1st, zero. December 2nd, zero. December 3rd, zero. December 4th, oh, wait a minute, there was two there. I missed that, two. Yeah. Uh, on the 5th through the 7th, I'm seeing this now, we had 22. And on the 8th, we had 436. Right. I mean, the the recovery number... Uh, that was a good day. It, it's a feel-good number. You know, it's like, hey... Well, and let's go back. We uh, <laughs> Look, the, the very first casualty of all this was the health system, exactly. the health counting, the health department. Like, um, those folks over there at uh, NetHealth, um, God love them. In a regular year, they average 300 reportable cases a quarter. They are now averaging over 6,000. There is no way that they can keep up with all of the numbers all of the time. The one that they let go is recoveries. They concentrate on the other end, trying to make sure they're getting things like the death count right. Yes. And um, so... If it look, don't please, 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 please pay attention to hospitalizations. We know those are actual people in actual beds. Pay attention to the deaths. Mm -hmm. Those are actual people that we know have actually passed away. Take everything else with a bit of a grain of salt. Exactly. I mean, when we talk about the recoveries, it makes the chart that NetHealth sends to us Monday through Friday. It makes that recovered area look better for us. But in reality, hey, they're doing the best that they can. Yeah. This is what we've got. Uh, I even when I've spoken with them, I'm like, hey, could you you know get us some recoveries here? Yeah, you know, this is <laughs> we haven't had any recoveries in two weeks. I, can I we, need a little can we, boost. Can <laughs> we have can we have a couple of recoveries now, please? Exactly, and um, they are they they have. And again, I'm not blaming them on that right. one. No, I mean they're so overwhelmed. They really. What, are. what, did, what did we say? What did we say at one point? There was one woman who was trying to take care of. But two or three counties? Oh, yes, yes. Um, three counties. Three counties. Three counties. So one, one woman, individual. One woman was trying to take care of three counties worth of data at one point exactly. along the way. I don't know if she's still doing it. She she's might be. St- she is still doing and it. And so, you know, it's really hard. They, they try to keep up as best as they can. But that's why we have looked at hospitalizations. By the right. way, that's why the governor yes. tied everything to hospitalizations because they know the same thing. <laughs> exactly. It was the one thing that you could count on and uh, I go to um, there's been so many changes with the testing and the state announced that they're actually going to change how they report some testing coming up what a shock another change yeah another change seems like every 30 days we get a new one that causes some concern and it's really no different than what when NetHealth started reporting probables for us right the state has been reporting confirmed cases 
without the probables in the same fashion. The, there, there's a slight deviation there. But Judge, you're making my eyes glaze I, over well, again. Well, I, I understand, but DSHS is going to be um, changing how they report to include more of the probables. So it's not really a change other than you can then see it. Whereas okay. before, because when you look at the testing data now that we have coming in, it is continuing to run high if it is confirmed or a probable. And, and it is still going to be high. Michael is going to continue to concentrate on hospitalizations <laughs> and the death count because those are the things that we can absolutely feel confident in at right. this particular point in time. Um, and that's the testing is, I, I, I know I've heard, uh, and I don't, I can't prove this one way or the other, but you, you've heard the thing where somebody goes and they get a test and they test positive. Great. Well, now they got to go take a test to see if they're done. Right. And they test positive still. Does that count as a second test? Right. I, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. We some don't people know. have said yes. Some people have said no. I haven't got the foggiest idea, folks. The thing that we've always said about testing is that it kind of gives us an idea of what might be coming. That's it. Sure. It gives us no sure. anything other the, just the, like stepping outside and wetting your finger and seeing which sure. way the wind is blowing. The seven-day rolling average exactly. will give you a sense. A sense. We'll know that we're trending one way or the other. It was right. nice. Uh, we actually have been pretty stable the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks, which tells us, okay, we're not climbing. It right. matched. It, it was echoed by the hospitalizations, mm -hmm. which started to level off a little bit and that's come right. down. We could see that. We could see those work together, and that's what we want to see. Um, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to go there and say, what a great day. We had 436 recoveries today. <laughs> we now have 436 less active cases in the county today exactly. than we did yesterday. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, folks. We understand that. Um, and we understand that this is some of the reason why this is such a confusing right. situation um, yeah. and why yeah. we need to use common sense right. and, and do our best to um, understand what's actually happening. It's the most fluid incident we've ever had. But at least the public is being calm Mm -hmm. oh, it's and wonderful. understanding about all of this, and there's no divisiveness in the community. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going. There are different um, opinions, of course, with anything, but the one thing that we do know is that when this virus goes to the ultimate extreme, it wreaks not only health, but economic, mental... I and this has been a nine, ten month run that all of us are tired of. Absolutely. So tired of. Absolutely. It. I mean, even tired of arguing about it in oh. some in some circles. Oh. As as the guy who gets to put up the post <laughs> and then like I, I have my friends just yelling at me, don't read the comments, <laughs> because it gets really out of control at times. But anyway, all right. All we so, want to do is for, for, to keep folks safe and I, to keep I just our hospital. keep people informed right. and try to help them understand what's going so, on. That's all we're trying to do here. 
That's um, right. All right. Well, we're going to finish up with that, folks. Thank you. Judge, thank you for letting us in to uh, find out what's going on with our county government. Uh, once again, we will be back next week to talk to you then. Thank you.